It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. C103 Gardening with the Mallow Home and Garden Festival, May 26th to 28th at Cork Racecourse Mallow. It's too big to miss. And Peter Dowd of theirishgardener.com joining me on this Wednesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And lots and lots of questions in. Let's get straight into them. Starting off with an email that we bounced back to you last week because it came with pictures and it is from a listener based near Skibbereen and it says this year our Grisolinia hedge appears to be dying. I've enclosed photographs. Some of it was planted more than up to 30 years ago and is six, seven foot high or more. Uh, other parts is about 10 years old and that section is about three foot high. It's cut once a year. Leaves are turning yellow and then fall off. Not all the roots are dead as new growth appears on some of the dead hedging. What can be done? Thanking you. And we sent you on the pictures. Unfortunately, this is uh, becoming far too common where I've actually just left a a garden an hour ago, which is a similar problem. And where we used to see kind of patches of of Grisolinia hedge in particular dying, you know, where you'd see a random patch here or there, we used to see that maybe, I don't know, once a month or something in years gone by, uh, you're seeing it more like once, twice a week now at this stage. So it's becoming very common. And in the past, it's been problems such as honey fungus and, and also phytophthora. But you also now as well have sclerotinia, which is another fungal. They're all fungal diseases. And unfortunately, the bad news um, is none of them are good news to have in the garden. And they're all caused to a greater or lesser degree by, by where we live, by our climate and our soil, its cultural conditions. And you know, when I'm talking about fungal infections over the years, Trish, I'm always talking about cultural control. So it's about improving growing conditions where possible. Um, now, when I'm talking about it, I'm talking about things like when we're pruning apple trees and roses, I'm talking about, you know, removing crossing branches and allowing good air circulation through a plant. Now, of course, that's impossible in a hedge. You can't do that because you want the opposite in the hedge. You want the, the density of foliage. But that does lead to, with, with, with the, our damp climate, an awful lot of evergreen foliage. Uh, and if the soil is anyway moisture retentive or poor or clay-like, that's the ideal conditions for the development of these fungal infections, uh, particularly Phytophthora and Sclerotinia. So I'm afraid the bad news is that, that, you, that, that you want to remove any of the infected growth in, or the infected plants. It's not a question of cutting back. You need to remove the diseased plants, which in, in this case and in many cases, because I imagine there's many people listening that have similar problems, um, it, may, it may mean removing the whole hedge. Now, I know that's the last thing you want to hear when it's a 10-foot high hedge <clears throat> or an 8-foot high hedge. But it, 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 that is the best advice I can give. You need to the only advice I can give. You need to remove the the diseased specimens, um, also the soil beneath, 
uh, <clears throat> and you need to replant with them something that isn't Christodinia, so something that's more more um, more resistant, if you like, Ailey Agnes, maybe Privet, our old-fashioned ones like Privet and Lanistera and things like that, um, and even Escalonia, but that's susceptible to its own blight, so maybe 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 avoid that one. But it, it's not an easy fix problem, I'm afraid. So it might it might require a bit of time and attention. It, it will require a bit of time and attention. Yeah, I know about 10 years ago, I share a Grisolinia hedge between me and, and uh, my then neighbour. And it, it went, uh, it was one of those fungal infections and, and the whole hedge went. And then he replanted a Grisolinia hedge again. And touch wood, I'm delighted to say it's, it's, it's OK at the moment, but we're keeping constant eye, Thank God. Uh, eye on it. But yeah, when you lose it, you lose it. And it was very rapid. It was very, it was over the period of one season. We just, the whole hedge uh, had to go. So uh, good luck. It's, it's, and, but to have a hedge that old and that high, it's, it's a big, big uh, job. And then high... Yeah. It changes the whole garden trace. You have an eight or ten foot high Yeah, they're suddenly gone. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. It'll take some years to get it back to that. Um, hi, Peter. We seem to have a lot of rabbits coming into our garden this year. Now, I have to say, they're not causing any harm at all and they seem to be only eating the grass. I'm wondering, from Peter, if rabbits have a positive impact on a garden, especially in terms of encouraging better lawn health. I would I would be of the opinion of live and let live, of course. So I mean, let our garden open to the rabbits, and if they're not doing you any damage, then absolutely enjoy them. Uh, I the the you'd want to be an ecologist to to answer the question as to whether they have a positive effect. I have no doubt they do. Um, even even just in fertilizer, if nothing else, I don't know. And it's an interesting question, but I hadn't thought about it in terms of lawn health. And I, I, I imagine the answer to that would be yes, because they because they do they do eat it quite tight to the ground, which would help to prevent problems such as thatch. Uh, so I imagine the answer is yes. And if they're not, if they're not interfering with any of your ornamental or vegetable plants, then then yeah, and, leave well alone and, and enjoy lo- them. And lovely to watch. Yeah, a yeah. pleasure to watch yeah. it to have in the garden. Maura in Liscarroll says, I bought Peter's summer bear root mix, the peonies, irises, etc. It turns out my new seven month old puppy likes to dig up what I've just planted. Would the plants last until next spring if I store them properly? Or would I be better off giving them to somebody else to plant this year? definitely give them to somebody else. They're bare root plants, so they'll dry out if they're stored and that, that, that'll be the end of them. So no, certainly you'd, ha- you'd have to have them planted by now, realistically. Uh, so give them give them to somebody or even if you just dug a hole or one big pot and put them into it just so long so that they can do their growing this year, if you know what I mean, just so long as they don't dry out. So if they're in damp compost or even just one big hole in the ground, uh, plant them in it. You can always lift them and plant them individually next year. But no, storing them won't be an option, no. Yeah, and just got to wait for them to get out of the bad habit of, of digging them up. Um, yeah. Hi, uh, Peter. I have a magnolia tree. It was planted about five years ago. The bottom of the tree is kind of bare. I have only a few, I had only a few flowers last year and the leaves were being eaten by something. What can I do to make it healthier and stronger? I don't know, unfortunately, on that one without seeing a photograph. So I suppose send a photograph in if you can, either to John Paul or send it to myself on Facebook, The Irish Gardener. But uh, I'll have a look at it and try and answer. Now, the only thing in terms of the very few flowers, don't worry. It, it's You do have to be patient when it comes to magnolias. Like these glorious displays that you see in magnolias could be 20, or 20 years or more old, right? So the fact that you're getting flowers is a good sign and hopefully that'll improve each year. But in terms of the leaf health and the, 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 the bareness underneath, I'd want to see a photograph to, to, to hazard an idea. OK, John and Kilmichael, actually, while we were talking about the Grisolinia hedge, has sent on photographs of his Grisolinia hedge. It's an established hedge of 15 years. 
very same problem. Will I dig it out and replant it? So you've already answered that for the other listener because it's the very, very uh, same uh, problem. And that's interesting. Both of them are in West Cork. So whether it's an issue in West Cork at the moment, I don't know. And Breda in Mallow says, could you ask Peter, please, how will I keep pots of stock going? They're in full bloom now under shelter. The scent of the back door in the evening is absolutely beautiful. How do they keep them flowering, says uh, Breda, who wants to keep the smell going? They are a magnificent plant for scent and they look gorgeous too, the, the stocks. They are, uh, they're of the genus Matthiola, but it's, it's Matthiola in Canna, which is a, an annual species. So you won't keep them going from year to year. The most you can do is try and extend the flowering period, but really they're of their best only for a few weeks. So when the main flower dies off, uh, which you will get a few weeks out of it, but when it dies off, just cut it back. Don't cut it all the way to the ground or anything like it. Just cut it back to a node. So in other words, where a leaf meets the stem and you will get some, now they will be smaller, but you will get some lateral uh, blooms as well. So instead of the main flower that's giving doing its thing at the moment, you will get some side shoots which will flower. They won't look as impressive, but they will flower and you will extend the colour and the scent by doing that. And what you could do then as well, is also just let them die off then naturally on the plant, let them dry, let the seed pods dry and collect the seed and then you have a free stock seed for next year. And John wants to know, when is the best time to feed uh, hydrangea and what is the best feed to give it? I suppose a good general purpose liquid, uh, well, sorry, liquid or granular uh, seaweed, a good organic seaweed feed would be for overall plant health. That's as good as you can get. Um, if you want something specific for flowering to promote flowers, then look at a good organic tomato food. Um, but but an established hydrangea, provided it's growing in the right place, again, talking about cultural conditions and, and giving everything the right thing. If we can make sure the soil around it is good, then an established one shouldn't need much feeding. If it's a new one, certainly to help it establish, give it a good seaweed feed. But it's much more important to, to constantly be replenishing the soil, to putting good organic matter in and around the soil. Now, that can be, you know, it could be rotted down manure. It could be homemade compost. It could be shop compost or anything that's going to improve the soil structure and the humus content will, will improve the, 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 the plant. Jane has a healthy Grisolinia hedge. I'm glad to report she only set it last year. She's wondering, should she trim it at some stage this year? Um, I would wait till September uh, under the wildlife act anyway, as we discussed last uh, yeah, Friday, don't, yeah. don't trip it back till September. But even though if it's only since last year, it's not, it's not offering any nesting habitat yet, but, but still I would wait till September and don't prune it too late actually, because as it comes into the winter, that's when it becomes, it does become a bit vulnerable to problems like we we're discussing earlier with the, the fungal problems with hedges. Like if uh, during the winter, they could become that bit more vulnerable to the, what am I trying to say? That bit less resistant, if you like, because they're weakening during the winter. So I would say cut it in September uh, and not later, or alternatively, leave it till the end of February next year when it's coming back into growth. And Margaret, is now the right time to trim back flowering crab apple trees and cherry trees? No, no, neither, neither. Well, the flowering grab apples, certainly not, because <clears throat> what you're doing is if, if, if my, they may well still be in flower, firstly, but if the flowers are gone, then they're setting into fruits. So you don't want to cut off the fruits. Um, so the right time to do to cut them back would be the month of November, when hopefully the birds that have taken what they want of the fruits. Uh, so November, December, 
apart from apart from feeding the birds, it's horticulturally the correct time to do it is is November December. Uh, and again, remember you're trying to prevent crossing branches and and congestion in the plant. Uh, cherry is different flowering. Cherry is different because it is prone to to a problem with silver called silver leaf, which is another one of these nasty fungal infections. So you want to do that in high summer actually. So it's it's kind of June July is when you want to cut back the cherry. Okay, and one final one looking for advice is Anne in Mallow. She has what she describes as a 10 feet long curb. She wants to know what summer bedding plant would you suggest to put behind the curb? She's looking for the easiest one to grow with no major, ma- no major maintenance, please. Okay, well, impossible to give a suggestion without seeing it, of course. So I can't say what's going to look well there. And of course, it's down to personal choice and colour as well. But if you're looking for bedding plants, they are all pretty easy to grow and low maintenance. The only thing they are going to need is water. They're they're giving their thing for the whole summer, lots and lots of colour, but they will use a lot of water to do that. If they dry out, that will be the end to them. So the only maintenance they will need is water. So do that or give them a good mulch with bark or something or gravel around them to, to help to prevent them drying out. And then uh, I love an old, there's an old fashioned one, which I used to love uh, alongside a curb and I still do. It's the white alisum, a very simple white alisum. Um, that's a lovely one that you could look at. But really, in terms of bedding plants, there's millions you could pick. A, a visit to your local garden centre is the best first place of call. Maybe even bring a photograph with you. Uh, but look at something like alisum, very low growing, ground hugging. But whichever one you go for, zero maintenance really, except watering. OK, we will leave it there. Thank you for that, uh, Peter. What are you up to this week? Uh, getting ready for Chelsea and after yeah. that Mallow so it's the kind of time of the year in the garden where I plus have about 10 designs that I'm working well done, on so well it's done. the time of the year that, that uh, you don't have time to scratch really you just got to keep going but I love it. So we'll talk to you next week You will indeed look okay. forward to it Thanks, Thanks for that Bye bye That is uh, Peter Dowdle at theirishgardener.com Hi This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.